On this episode of Blue 58, the Packers lose to the Cardinals and suddenly the end of the Mike McCarthy era is here. What happened and where do we go from here? Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast to thepowersweep.com. I am your host, John Meerdink. I'm excited to be with you here for episode number 133. Excited may not be quite the right word. Um, There is certainly... A lot more going on with the Packers than I thought there was going to be on this now relatively late Sunday evening. Let's take a stroll through the day that was today. Packers play against the Cardinals. I'm sure you've by now heard about that. And it did not go according to plan. Um, If you are a Blue 58 listener, you probably know that we were pretty spectacularly wrong with our prediction about how this game was going to go. I predicted Packers win. That was less than a blowout, but more than a closer than it probably should be win. As it turns out, the Packers did not beat the Arizona Cardinals. Eh, it happens. Kind of a kind of a disappointing season. A perfect disappointing game for a disappointing season. Will it lead to the loss to, of Mike McCarthy? I ask myself after the game. Perhaps. This is just one of the many considerations the Packers take into uh, their decision on whether or not to keep him, but I don't think it's going to happen right now, at least not today. Maybe tomorrow, maybe at some point this week, but not today. So I recorded a previous version of this podcast, then went out and had a, a nice night out with my wife and thought, hey, this is pretty great. We don't have to stay up late and record a podcast tonight. No primetime game for the Packers, but here we are. We stepped out of a movie, and um, there it is. Mike McCarthy is a former head coach of the Green Bay Packers. And before we get into the nitty-gritty of what happens next with the Packers, I think it is important to take a second to reflect on Mike McCarthy. And... It feels a little bit awkward to do this because I feel like for the balance of this season so far, I've been, I don't want to say defending Mike McCarthy or serving as a Mike McCarthy apologist, but um, I feel like my opinion that I've expressed on this show has been a lot more conservative on McCarthy than a lot of other people's. We did an entire episode where we took apart a national media article calling for his dismissal, saying he's a big reason the Packers have quote-unquote wasted Aaron Rodgers, all of those things. I think that the shortcomings of Mike McCarthy have a lot more to do with with who he is, I guess, as a, as a person and, and, and pride and how he relates to, to people, specifically Aaron Rodgers than his qualities as a football coach because I, I, you can see if you actually sit down and look at how the Packers' offense has been structured and executed this year, it's it's been better schematically in a lot of ways than it has been in the past. But the results have just not been there on the field, and this, of course, is a results-oriented business. And when you lose to a 2-9 and nine team, when you're a two-touchdown favorite at home, when conceivably, I don't know if realistically, but conceivably you still have a shot at the playoffs if you win this and every other game you play this year, you, a decision's got to come down. 
And it did. So the Mike McCarthy ends, Mike McCarthy era ends with a record of 125-76 and 2. One win in the Super Bowl, two NFC Championship game losses, three NFC Championship game losses. Boy, I just blocked the Seattle one out of my mind. Uh, a lifetime record of 47 out of 93 on challenges. And unfortunately, a an apparently crippling disconnect with his two-time MVP quarterback. That's kind of the sum total of the Mike McCarthy era as we look at it right now. I like Mark, Mike McCarthy the person a lot. I think he's done a lot of good things during his time in Green Bay. Seems like a really decent person. And I think there's a lot to like about Mike McCarthy. Um, there's a lot of keyboard warriors out there who don't particularly care for Mike McCarthy and seem to view every loss by the Packers as a character indictment of Mike McCarthy, which is not the correct perspective. And I'm sorry if you are one of those people and you're listening to this show, that opinion is incorrect. You are wrong. Um, he's, he was, who he is as a person has nothing to do with who he is as a football coach. But here we are. He is the former head coach of the Green Bay Packers, and stepping in to replace him is his longtime offensive coordinator in a couple stints now, Joe Philbin. Now the, I guess in part, 16th head coach of the Green Bay Packers, albeit on an interim basis right now. Previously, on a couple occasions, the offensive coordinator has been a head coach previously, not a great run with Miami. He was 24-48 and 48 there over four years from 2012 through the 2015 season. His role right now pretty much is to keep things from going into a complete tailspin. You know, again, more than they already have. It hasn't been great here in, in Green Bay, as you know. So I think the best way to proceed from here is by asking a series of questions. Um, and I'll lay out the questions here for you before we really dive into to the, the answers here. First, why now? Then who made this call? Then who makes the call on the replacement? What kind of coach are the Packers looking for? Who could be a candidate? And what are some names of some potential candidates? Sound pretty good? Good. Let's let's work through those together. So why now? Well, head coach of an NFL football team and really any any professional sports team is a job that you take to get fired. You get hired to get fired. Unless you retire at the top of your possession or profession, chances are your tenure with the team is going to end with you getting fired. It's just sort of how things work. And no matter whose fault it ultimately is, and there, to be sure, is plenty of blame to go around in Green Bay right now. At a certain point, somebody's got to get axed. And they're not going to cut Aaron Rodgers. And Brian Gutekunst is in his first job. And Mike, Mark Murphy is not going to fire himself. So, in this case, as in most other cases, the person who gets fired is the head coach. I'm not even sure how much of this game in particular you can put on him in total. But there are a lot of small parts that add up to quite a few big parts that do kind of fall on McCarthy. The team came out pretty flat and stayed pretty flat throughout the game. Nobody really seems to respect his play calling anymore, even to the point that there was a defensive player who got caught by an, an on-field mic laughing at McCarthy's third and 13 screen play call shortly before the end of the first half. Then at the end of the third quarter, just at the start of the fourth quarter, the Packers are trailing by seven points, nothing is working, and Mike McCarthy rolls out an offense that starts with an 
Off-tackle run by his worst running back right now, Jamal Williams. Going off-tackle for a gain of two or three yards. That's a little bit dispiriting. And it's stuff like that that just adds up after a while, especially when Fox rolls into bonus coverage of the, the Giants and Bears game. The Bears playing on the road in New York, trailing by 10 in the fourth quarter, but mounting a furious comeback down seven with 15 seconds to go inside the New York 10-yard line. They are putting every bit of stress possible on the New York Giants defense as they try to make their way into the end zone. And they actually end up scoring on a Philly special type play, uh, a reverse pass, whatever you want to call it. You know what I'm talking about by now. Every play in the universe, or every team in the universe has run some variety of this pro- of this play. The Packers did something like it last year, throwing a pass to Brett Hundley. Um, but that sort of creativity and that level of pressure that the Bears were putting on the Giants was incredible and just showed a different level of attack than what we've seen from the Packers this year. So that was hard to see coming right out of that defeat to the Arizona Cardinals. So if that's why now, maybe instead of looking at why now in particular, a better question might actually be why not now? There's not a lot of downside really to firing McCarthy right now, especially if you know the thinking, as some people have said, some reporters that I've seen around the internet, uh, saying that, you know, the Packers were kind of thinking about this for a while now. If you're going to do it, you might as well just get it over with and do it right now. I don't know if there's really much to the idea that you're going to get a lot of a head start on interviewing anybody right now, but you can at least putting out some start putting out some more substantive feelers. And if Mark Murphy wants to do things the same way that he did with his GM search and hire a search firm and do all that, this may give them a little bit of extra time to get all that rolling. So who made this call? I think it was pretty unquestionably Mark Murphy. May have gotten pressure from elsewhere inside the organization or things like that, but I think the Packers statement and the statement from Murphy made things pretty clear. Let's read a paragraph of that statement. Two sentences here. Quote, the 2018 season has not lived up to the expectations and standards of the Green Bay Packers. As a result, I made the difficult decision to relieve Mike McCarthy of his role as head coach effective immediately. This was Mark Murphy's call. What's less clear is who makes the call on the replacement. Probably Mark Murphy, and we'll probably find that out on Monday afternoon for sure. There's really not much reason, I think, based on what we know so far, to assume or to believe that Brian Gutekunst is going to get a crack at this. But let's pull on that thread for a second. Who should make the call on the head coach? Probably Brian Gutekunst. This is the job of the general manager. This is what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to control the football side personnel of your organization. And the head coach falls under that purview. I still haven't heard a good reason as to why the head coach needs to report directly to Mark Murphy. Sure, there were the issues with siloing in the past, but there's a new general manager in town. You might as well let him bring that entire operation into his scope. That seems like the best way forward. Now, the flip side of that is... 
I think as long as Brian Gutekunst is on board with whoever the coach is, whoever they end up hiring, and everybody's job is pretty clearly laid out, everybody knows what their responsibilities are and everybody knows who's in charge of what, I'm not sure it's the biggest deal in the world if Brian Gutekunst doesn't actually hire the head coach. It's not ideal, probably, but it's probably not the end of the world either. Just, just my two cents there. So what kind of coach could the Packers be looking for? We actually went over this 20 episodes ago exactly. Seems like the far distant past. Episode 113, if you would like to refer back to that. I think all things being equal, the Packers are probably wanting to go, going to want to go with an offensive-minded coach. The team is already built around offense. Their highest paid players are all on offense, except for Clay Matthews and Mike Daniels. Um, but by and large, they're, they're, they're paying their offensive players the most. Even if you do a, a mild to moderate rebuild here, this is probably going to be a team that skews towards offense as long as you have Aaron Rodgers. So with that in mind, who could be a candidate? I think you've got three categories of candidate here. You've got college coaches, you've got professional coaches, and you've got coaches that kind of may be a little bit out of scope for both of those qualifications. So let's talk a little bit about some names. Starting with college coaches, Justice Mosqueda of Packers Twitter fame and also for OptimumScouting.com. I'm not exactly sure what what this organization is called. He publishes there currently. Um, He falls under a lot of banner heads. But he did a phenomenal article five days ago about the interesting dynamics of hiring a college coach to coach a professional team. And there are a lot of things to to consider here, but he points out quite rightly that a significant and perhaps primary consideration for a lot of these questions is money. And that's why you haven't seen a lot of college coaches jump to the NFL. You'd think you'd see it happen a lot more, given that's the way all other football talent seems to to flow. All the players end up in the pros, obviously. They don't hang around in college forever. Most executives want to be in the pros because there's far less in the the way of that in, in the college ranks. So why don't coaches end up in the professional ranks? Well, money is a big consideration. Give me a second to quote from his article. Quote, at the moment, only one NFL offensive coordinator, Todd Munkin, who went from Southern Mississippi's head coach position to Tampa Bay's offensive coordinator, has made the direct jump from being a college head coach one season to an NFL offensive coordinator the next. The NFL is not willing to make college coaches Head coaches. College head coaches generally make more than NFL offensive coordinators. Because of this, offensive innovation is staying in college football's bubble. Why would Kevin Sumlin, who was let go by Texas A&M last year, take an NFL offensive coordinator job when he can take home $2 million as Arizona's head coach and has the potential to make three times that in Arizona or elsewhere in college football if he succeeds? So basically, NFL or college head coaches that are successful or put another way, college head coaches that you've heard of, um, aren't going to just jump to the NFL to become an offensive coordinator because of the amount of money they're making as a head coach. Seems pretty reasonable to me. And on a parallel track, most NFL head coaches 
aren't going to make as much as some of the super high-end college head coaches. Or even if they're making amount or the same amount, the perks that you get for being an NFL head coach or a college head coach are not going to be there if you jump to the NFL. Take, for instance, a guy like David Shaw out there in Stanford. He's making $6 million a year to be the head coach of the Stanford Cardinal, plus a lot of other considerations that, um, well, you know how these things work in, in college football. Some of them are directly laid out in your contract, and some of them just kind of make your way, make their way towards you. Not saying there's anything untoward going on, anything untoward going on in Stanford, but these things have a way of happening. That's just how the game is played. Not a value judgment on Stanford or college football, just how things tend to work out. How much of that would you be willing to give up just to say that you coached at the absolute highest level of your profession? Sure, there is some professional satisfaction there, but at the end of the day, you can't spend professional satisfaction. That's just the way I look at it, but I'm willing to bet quite a few other people when the rubber meets the road, have that sort of conversation with themselves. So David Shaw, probably not. Same probably goes for Lincoln Riley. Unless he gets an absolute sweetheart deal from somebody, there's not a lot of incentive to leave college football. Same with a guy like Mike Leach, another name I've heard people throw around. But then you get to Cliff Kingsbury, the former Texas Tech head coach, who is an interesting candidate because he is currently out of a job. That opens a little bit of a window there for you. If you want to follow the path of, you know, really embracing this offensive explosion and, and going that direction, Klingsbury might be the kind of guy who could translate from college to the NFL and who would be willing to try an NFL job right now. Just something, you know, some, some possible considerations there. In the professional ranks, you're probably going to want to pick a coaching tree you like and then just pluck a name off of that tree. Sean McVay has a couple possibilities from his tree, but he's fairly young to have a lot of established prospective future coaches. His quarterback's coach is a name that I've seen thrown around a little bit, but yeah, maybe, maybe not. Andy Reid, the cupboard's kind of bare there. Um, he has had two of his top three guys leave in the past couple of years in Doug Peterson and um, Matt Nagy off to, to Chicago. But his current offensive coordinator, Eric Bieniemy, is a name that you know could come up. There's also the consideration, and there's no non-cynical way of putting this. But Mr. Bieniemy would allow the Packers to meet their Rooney rule requirements if they were to interview him. And I hate that that's even a consideration, but it's something the Packers are going to have to do. That's the rule. You have to interview a minority candidate for your head coaching position. So that is a possibility. Doug Peterson uh would have had a couple intriguing options on his coaching tree, having just jumped over from Andy Reid's organization a couple of years ago. His, uh, his former, one of his former guys, Frank Reich, is the current head coach in Indianapolis and is seeming to have some success there. But current Vikings offensive coordinator John DeFilippo is another option there. 
if you can stomach the idea of nabbing a coach from the Vikings. Oh, miss somebody with Andy Reid. I just have to say this one really quickly because it's a possibility. I'm not saying it's a great possibility, but it's the sort of name who you could see coming up in an organization that's relatively conservative, and that's Brad Childress. Stranger things have happened. That's all I'll say on that. Finally, Sean Payton has a couple intriguing options here. His offensive coordinator, Pete Carmichael, is you know putting together a pretty great run there with Sean Payton. But also, as we transition into those more other-oriented candidates, what about Sean Payton himself? Say the Saints win the Super Bowl this year and Drew Brees decides to ride off into the New Orleans sunset, just become king of Louisiana. You win two Super Bowls and rescue them from Hurricane Katrina. That wouldn't be a bad gig, (laughs) if you ask me. So say that all happens and Sean Payton's like, you know what? Uh, had a good run here, but Drew is moving on. Maybe it's time for me to move on as well. Maybe it's time for me to finally figure out if I could have made things work if I had gotten that real shot at the Green Bay job back in 2006. He thought he had the job. He was a legitimate contender for the job. Maybe he finally wants to take a shot at being the head man in Green Bay. Who knows? As for active coaches right now, that's pretty much it. Unless we want to transition into, as like I said, into more of the other oriented candidates. Like I said, you're going to need a Rooney Rule candidate. Cynical way of putting it, I know, but it's the truth. How about Bruce Arians? Um, recently retired from Arizona, but Really, who's actually retired in professional sports? Former Pittsburgh Steelers offensive coordinator who was great at times in Arizona. He could probably do some pretty interesting things with Aaron Rodgers. He helped Carson Palmer really straighten things out in Arizona there towards the end. I would have to think he could be fairly successful. Jim Harbaugh probably should have fallen under the college coaches, but he kind of seems to transcend because he's been both. And he's probably not making the jump you know, for similar reasons as to what we laid out above. Bill Cower is the sort of name that's going to get trotted out a lot, and I have no interest in Bill Cower. Do you realize how long Bill Cower has been out of coaching? I don't think Bill Cower wants to get back into coaching, and I certainly don't think the Packers want to retread if this is the direction they, they decide to go. Well, they have decided to go. Finally, Jeff Fisher. Please do not hire Jeff Fisher. That's all the names that I want to throw out there right now. But there is one other name we should should bring up. It's not the name of a coaching candidate, and we are going to talk about this more at thepowersweep.com over the next couple of days. But the name that you should be watching and listening for is that of Jed Hughes. He is the vice chairman, global sector leader for sports or the firm Corn Ferry. Basically, they're a business performance organization, and he is the guy who got attached to the Packers GM search when they hired that search firm last year to help them decide to hire the guy that they already had in the building. If Mark Murphy is serious about doing this this coaching search in a similar way to what they did with the GM, which may or may not be a good idea, but I have to think that 
that's probably what he's going to do. Hughes is going to be involved in some way, shape, or form. Just something to be mindful of as the Packers head into this now post-Mike McCarthy era in Green Bay. So I've got for you this episode, um, the second version of episode 133. Do you have thoughts? Do you have questions? Do you have concerns? We have plenty to talk about uh, when we reconvene on Wednesday, and I'm looking forward to it. Can't say the season's been boring. It's been disappointing, sure, but it hasn't been boring. And uh, it looks like there's going to be a lot more to go between now and the end of 2018. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you had a great Sunday, a great weekend, and we will be back with you on Wednesday. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Blue 58. Blue 58!